You know, it's a blessing when you see people that are willing to, to go all in with God. And they believe what they're singing. And uh, I'm just thankful that uh, we have people that are, are willing to sing and to, to give God the glory, the praise, and the honor. You know, we've been, we've been talking about renewal the last several weeks. We've been talking about renewal, and specifically the renewal of the church. And today I want to give you the secret uh, to renewal. And, um, you know, it, it's pretty, pretty basic, but I think you're going you're gonna to find out what I'm talking about here. You know, many of you may have seen a hilarious uh, clip of, of uh, it's a Bob Newhart routine where a lady comes into his office and he's a psychologist. And um, she has a phobia and he's wanting to help her with her phobia. And the phobia is, is that she is afraid that she's going to be buried alive in a box. And um, he, he talks to her for a little bit and, you know, he, he, he says, okay, um, let me help you. I've got two words for you. You may want to write them down. She gets out her pen and paper. He says, this is it. Stop it. Just stop it. And she said, well, it goes back to uh, when, when my, my mom was raising me. And, and he said, no, no, we don't go there. Just stop it. Just stop it. And, and, and really, I, if you haven't watched it, you need to Google that or put it on YouTube and watch it. It's hilarious. But my point is this. In some ways, Paul's command in, in uh, Romans 6 is just that. We need to stop it. We need to stop it. You know, those who are struggling with life-dominating sin, things that they just can't seem to get past. And, and, and Paul sounds uh, kind of like Bob Newhart here, just stop it. And I want to read in, in, in Romans chapter 6, I want to begin in verse 12, and I want to read uh, 12, 13, and 14. And I want you to know something, church. I want this to encourage you. To encourage you toward living more righteously for God. Paul writes this. He says, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. But present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law but under grace. In other words, he's saying, stop it. You know, after telling you uh, us to obey God, then he gives a blanket promise here because he says, for sin will not, shall not master over you. You got it? <laughs> okay, we'll close in prayer and we'll all go home. What? No, I'm just kidding. 
But as we all know, overcoming these stubborn sins in our lives, they, they, they keep coming back and, and, and it doesn't, it's not as easy as just stopping it. And even though we often can see these sins having a destructive effect on our life, we keep doing them. We keep doing them. So how do we stop it? How do we stop it? How do we experience on a consistent basis the promise that sin ain't going to reign in this body? Let's pray together that God would do just that in each one of our lives. Loving Father, I thank you for this time and I thank you for your word. And Father, I pray that even now that your Holy Spirit would just speak to our hearts. Father, that you would show us how we can be renewed in you. Father, that you would take us from where we are to where you desire us to be. Holy Spirit, I I ask that you would examine our hearts, that you would examine my heart. Father, if there are things that are not pleasing to you, that your Holy Spirit would drag it to the light and that, that I might confess that to you. So that, Father, each one of us could be renewed in you. Lord, we love you. We praise you. You've never failed us yet. And God, we recognize that it is because of your power that you give us the ability to live as you desire us to live. Father, thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for this time. Bless it and use it in each of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, in a nutshell here, the Apostle Paul says, don't let sin reign by following your lusts, by going after those lusts, but give yourself to God. Give yourself to Him and to live righteously under His grace. I mean, spiritual renewal is the answer for the church today. We've gone so far away. We've fallen in love with the world. I mean, it is God's will for the church to be renewed and transformed. It is not God's will for the church to be shaped and molded by the world. And when I say church, I'm talking about the body of Christ, each one of us. Because we are collectively the body. When I say we shouldn't be molded by the world, I'm saying that each one of us individually should not be molded by the world. And when we come and worship God corporately, we should not be molded by the world. He is our king. It's his will that we desire. See, it is the will that the church be renewed to ministry. Renewed in faith and a disciplined life. The problem that we have in our world that we see every day is our society is so fat and happy that they are undisciplined. We need that discipline. We need those boundaries. If we were disciplined in our eating, we wouldn't have the health problems we have. If we were disciplined in our finances, we wouldn't have the debt that we have. If we were disciplined in our morals, we wouldn't have the divorce and, and the, 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 the other things that we see in our society. Amen. 
But the problem is, is we're not disciplined and we don't want anybody telling us what to do. And we're like a spoiled brat that wants to do whatever they want to do. And our society says, go ahead. Folks, we are children of the king. We are children of light. We don't need to behave like the world. There's a difference here. You've been redeemed. You've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. See, there's a secret to renewal, and this passage gives us that, and it involves two steps. Not two simple words, but two steps. The first one is this. He says in verse 13, but present yourselves to God. Yield yourselves to God. Listen, in order for us to to do that, in order for us to make something of our lives, something good of our lives, we have to give our lives to God. We have to give it to Him. You see, it, it's, it's very important. This word yield, also interpreted here and, and translated as present. He says, present yourselves to God. Yield to God those that like are alive from the dead. And yield your members to as instruments of righteousness. See, it, it's not enough for us to give our time. It's not enough for us to give our energy or even our money to God. It's not enough. See, many people will gladly give anything as long as they don't have to give themselves. See, none of these will be accounted as a sufficient substitute by him who gave not only his prize and precious possession, his only son Jesus for us, See, as the Lord Jesus, he was all in for us. He asked us that we should be all in for him. Body, soul, spirit. And this is our one reasonable spirit of worship. Is to give ourselves to him. He doesn't need your money. He doesn't need your time. He doesn't need your energy. What he wants is you. All of you. All of you. All the time. See, the, the key word to spiritual renewal in the Christian life is the word yield. And I don't mean it in a passive sense like we see it out on the highway, meaning just to sit and wait until it's your turn to go. This word yield in, in the New Testament, it also means to present. And, and, and it's, it's important because it, it, it's paristomai. They get the word para, which means near, and histomai, which means um, uh, beside. Or, or, or um, I, I love this because it, it means near to the place, okay? Near to the place. And so when we're talking about yield or present, he's talking about putting yourself, it conveys the idea of putting yourself beside God. Okay, And in doing so, making yourself at his disposal. So you're presenting yourself for whatever he decides to do with you. 
You're making yourself near to God so that he can use you in any way that, that, that he desires. Maybe we would say that in these terms. You make yourself available to God. Present yourselves to God. See, and that's really what he says in Romans 12. Over in verse 1, he says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies, by the mercies of God to present your bodies. Same word. Near place, near to God. Present your bodies near to God. It's the word that is used to describe the presenting of the offering before the altar of the Lord in the temple in Jerusalem. So if you go back in, into the Old Testament and you read about how they used to present their offerings to the priest, it's the same thing, presenting your offering, taking your, your sacrifice to the priest so, so that he can offer it on behalf of your sin. And, and what he's saying is we need to offer ourselves to present ourselves to God that near place so that we make ourselves available to him for whatever use he has for us. See, it is an action of worship as we personally acknowledge that we belong to God. When was the last time you told God, I am yours, I am yours to do however whatever you want with. See, this action is the secret to the renewal of life. You want to have that indwelling, you want to have that refreshing, you want to have that, that watering that comes from the Holy Spirit, then you're going to have to make yourself available to God. You can't be a spectator. You need to be a participant in the sacrifice. See, it's a realistic it's a realist action because in the Christian life, it's just as real to offer yourself to God as it is to accept Jesus as your Savior and Lord. It's just as real. It's a definite action. And in Romans 6.13, he says, Do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. Stop becoming a tool for sin to use. Stop being an instrument of evil. Rather, present yourself to God so that you can become an instrument of righteousness. I love that. You know, in this word here in, in, in uh, 6.13, the word yield there. I mean, you might even read it this way. Do not go on yielding your members at sin's disposal, but once for all, decisively yield yourselves to God. Once for all. Be done with that decision. Say, I'm not going to do that anymore. As in Bob Newhart's words, just stop it. Yield yourself to God and you won't do the works of unrighteousness. We wonder how we can keep from doing those bad things we don't want to do. Do the good. Apply yourself to doing the good. See, there must be a time in your life when you present yourself to God and from then consider yourself as belonging to God. We witnessed some stuff this morning. 
dying to self, being raised to walk in a new life. See, it's a transfer of your life to God. You're saying, I am no longer my own. I belong to you. In everything I do, I belong to you. Your life is no longer your own, but it's his because he purchased you. He purchased you with his precious blood. It's an action of the will that we present ourselves to God as well as an action of obedience. You know, John Murray, he explains it this way. He says, to say to a slave, don't behave as a slave, is a mock. You're mocking his slavery. But to say to a freed slave, don't behave as a slave, is to encourage him to act in light of his new freedom. We're no longer a slave to sin. I am a child of God. Are you getting it? To say to a person who is outside of Christ, stop sinning, is futile. They don't know any different. But to say to someone who is in Christ Jesus, who has been freed from sin, is meaningful and helpful. Because we get it. We know what we used to be and what we no longer are. We've been redeemed. And now we are a child of God. See, the commands that Paul gives here make no sense unless you are in Christ by being justified by faith alone. But it's also a reasonable action. I mean, that's what Romans 12, 1 says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable service. It's reasonable if we want victory in our life. See, the believer in Christ has a dual nature. A dual nature. While the, the lost person just simply has one nature, they just have the old man. The one who is, is, is earthly, that is fleshly. But you see, when you are born again, new life comes. It comes on the inside. It's, it's divine life. It's Christ's life in you. Him living in you through the person of the Holy Spirit. And the new believer now has a new nature. You see, we have the old nature the self-life is dealt with by Christ's death, but it's not evicted from our lives. We have the, the old nature still with us, but we also have the new nature, the higher nature. We have the higher nature, the lower nature. We have the flesh, we have the spirit. We have the, the old life and the new life. We have the self-life, and now we have the Christ life. You see, these two are enemies, and they struggle against each other. But you see, as a believer, you have the choice as to which one you present yourself to. You can't say, I had no choice, I had to do it. No, you are free from sin. You've been freed from that. So you're able to, to present yourself to God holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service. See, how we choose is the victory. That's where the victory is found. But it's also a resisted action. <laughs> I mean, the flesh, it fights against the spirit. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. See, the resistance, it masses itself at some point in your life so that surrender becomes the key to victory. 
See, there's that one thing that you and I will not turn loose of. And that thing, whatever it might be, is subject to being broken by Almighty God. He cares more about your character than he does about your happiness. He's developing you for the kingdom of heaven. So I ask you, what stands, what stands between you and renewal in your life? What is it? Is it pride? Is it sin? Is there something that you could identify that say, I just don't want to give that up, Brother Ridge? Because we think that we can handle it on our own. And the reality is, is we can't. We can't. I mean, does some cherished idol in your life need to be yielded to God so that victory can come? You know, we're, we're our own worst enemy. We're hanging on to something and we're saying, God, I, I, I want to serve you. And what we've got is we've got one foot in the world and we've got one foot in the kingdom. And we are the most miserable person on earth. Because when we do stuff, we feel guilty and we feel ashamed because we're a child of the king. And when we give in, we're feeding the flesh and not feeding our spirit. The idea here is we have to present ourselves to God as instruments of righteousness. And because we're not slaves to sin and, and we don't present ourselves to sin so that we will do unrighteous deeds. But there's a choice in that and we have that choice. But nothing will substitute for the action of yielding yourself to God. It all starts right there. See, we, thin, we tend to think of sin as a benign force that we can manage and control. You remember back in Genesis. Well, if you, if you eat the fruit, you will be like God. Well, I've always wanted to be like God. Is that a bad personal goal? I mean, Satan presented sin as if it were a good thing that would assist Eve in finding her happiness, in that quest for happiness. But Paul personifies sin as an evil tyrant that will reign over you and lead you to death. I mean, it's like having a little bit of cancer. You can't do it because eventually the cancer will spread and it will kill you. You got to get rid of it. You got to eradicate it. You got to get rid of all of it. You can't coddle that and have that and say, well, it's just a little bit. It's not going to be that bad. It will be that bad because it takes over. You see, in the same way, you can't tolerate a little bit of sin or think that you can use it safely in order to pursue happiness here. Men, you cannot tolerate a little bit of pornography. It's like cancer. It will lead to the death of your relationship. You cannot tolerate it. Jesus said that if you do, you will spend eternity in hell. 
Now that seems a little bit harsh for my theology that we're saved through grace by faith alone. But Jesus said that if you don't cut the lust out of your life, that you will spend an eternity in hell. If you don't cut those things out of your life that are tools of unrighteousness, if you don't repent of that, if you don't cut that out of your life, then you will spend eternity in hell. And Paul seems to line up with Jesus here in Romans 6 when he says that if you are a slave to sin, the outcome will be death. Which is opposed, it's the opposite of eternal life. See, this is the secret to having power in our lives is Jesus must be Lord of our lives. He's already already completed that task. But we have a choice in that, in making him Lord of our lives here. Step one is to yield yourselves to God. Step two is to yield your members to God. See, the word members here It refers to the parts of your body, your hands, your arms, your feet, your ears, your eyes, your mouth, your mind, your heart. These members are either weapons for righteousness, for excuse me, for unrighteousness, for sin, or they are for God. They are for God or they're for Satan. And we yield ourselves and our members to God. That's what we we are to do is to present your bodies. And your body, folks, is important. Your body is important, so present it to God. Give it to God. I mean, think about this. Yield your eyes to God, the members of your body. Yield your eyes to God. Your eyes control what you see. Your eyes control what you read, what you take in. Make a covenant with God. Present your eyes to him. Yield your ears to God. I mean, your ears control what you hear and be discerning about what you're listening to. It's not good for you to hear some of the music that is out there today. It's not good to watch some of the programs that are on the the different ways we receive them. We need to be discerning in all of that. Yield your eyes, your ears to God. Yield your mouth to God. I mean, what you say... And how you say it is important. Paul said this in in Colossians 4, 6. He said, let your speech always be with grace. As though seasoned with salt so that you will know how you should respond to each person. It's important what we say and how we say it. Yield your mind to God. Let your thoughts and your attitudes be formed by God's word. I mean, in in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, it says taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Folks, we can't do that if we let our mind wander. If we're not disciplined in our thinking. If we just, if we just take in everything and, and wonder what might be and, and, and we dream about all this stuff that, that, that is ungodly. We're giving the enemy our mind As an instrument for unrighteousness. Yield your hands to God. Let him govern govern what you do and how you work. Your actions and your service to others. 
Yield your feet to God. Go places that God would have you go and stay away from the places that you shouldn't be. It's pretty simple. Yield your knees to God. Oh, how we need to yield our knees to God. Kneeling in prayer regularly. What about your lungs? It's your breath in our lungs that allows us to pour out our praise. I mean, yielding your lungs to God may mean abstaining from that foul habit of smoking. It's His lungs. You were bought with a price. You were not your own. Yield your stomach to God. You know, gluttony is displeasing to God. But we think somehow we can eat all we want all the time. There's no discipline. What about your face? Yield your face to God. I mean, your countenance should reflect the light, you know, of the one whom you serve. You know, are, are, do, you, do you smile? Or are, you, are you frowning all the time? Because, folks, people can see Jesus in you if you will let him out. I mean, you can tell by the look on a person's face. Many times, his own character qualities and where his heart is. What about your actions? Are you serving others? Or are you simply expecting others to serve you? See, the secret is this. Yield yourself and your members to God. That's the secret to renewal. Yield yourself and your members to God. You build an altar and you place yourself on that altar and the areas of your life before God. And he promises that if we will do that, that he will bring about victory in our lives. You know that old hymn, Just As I Am. One of the verses goes like this. Just as I am, thy love unknown has broken every barrier down. Now to be thine, yea, thine alone, O Lamb of God, I come. Now to be thine and thine alone. You know, the mighty men of old, of Israel, they were willing to swim the river at flood stage. To get to their king, the one who had been anointed king, who was yet uncrowned, but God appointed King David. They were willing to do that. And when they met him, they cried out, we are yours, David. We are yours and we are on your side, son of Jesse. They were his because God had given them to him. But they could not rest content until they were also his by their own choice. See, we all have that opportunity. We all have that opportunity. I mean, why shouldn't we say the same thing to our King, the Lord Jesus Christ? Why should we not say, we are yours and we are here because we choose to be yours? 
See, many times we think, well, I prayed a prayer when I was seven, eight, nine years old, maybe in youth camp. And we invited Jesus into our heart. But we've lived our life the way we chose for many years. See, I think it would be honoring to our king if we gave ourselves to him. In that near place, and we made ourselves available to God, and we said, God, we are yours. We are yours. You do with us as you please. I mean, that that prayer might go something like this. Lord Jesus, I am yours by right. Forgive me that I have lived so long like I am my own. And now I gladly recognize that you have a rightful claim on all that I am and all that I have. And I want to live as yours from now on. And so right now I give myself to you. Yours in life, yours in death. Always. Absolutely and forever. If you were a king, wouldn't you want to hear that from your subjects? I mean, the word of God tells us that on that day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every knee. I want to do it by my own choosing. That my choice is for him. I mean, could that be your prayer this morning? Oh Lord, make me willing to be willing to be yours. Let's pray together. Loving Father, we know that you are a mighty God. And all flesh trembles before you. Father, all power, all glory, all honor belongs to you. Father God, you are so far beyond us. And we quake in your presence. But Father, thank you for giving us your son Jesus to be our advocate, to be our savior, to be our Lord. Thank you for exalting him. To a name above all names. And Father, as the bride of Christ, as his bride without spot, without blemish, Father, we honor you today by presenting ourselves to you and presenting our members to you. Father, I want you to use my eyes as an instrument of righteousness. Father, I want you to use my ears as instruments of righteousness. My mouth, my mind, my hands, my feet, my knees. Father, use all of me to be instrument of righteousness. Father, we are no longer slaves to sin. So Father, I pray that you would help us. To stop presenting ourselves as instruments of unrighteousness. 
but God, today we would give ourselves wholly devoted to you. Father, that we would, we would be yours by, by choice. Father, that we would be done with the things of this world. And that we would cry out to you, Abba, Father. We love you. We praise you. Father, forgive us where we fail you, where we sin. Father, help us to do it no more by responding to you. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would draw us to you this morning, right now, in the quietness of this place. And God, that he would discern our hearts, the people of God, before you. Father, I ask that we would worship you in spirit and in truth. And we give you the praise and the glory and the honor for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen.